All right. Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans. We bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And uh, before we get diving into things, a late happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there who may listen or to your mothers, to all the listeners that are here. They're the ones that have shaped our lives and kept us alive. And when we were not doing the right things, they sure did let us know and gave us a good whooping. So happy Mother's Day. Yeah. (laughs) I think that sums that up. Well, you know, it's the mothers are the ones that clean the crust out of your eyes and, you know, changed your diaper and then you you know that uh, volcano uh, vomit that you had in the middle of the night (laughs) and it just seemed to be all over the bed and all over you they you know wiped you down and cleaned you up and you know and you have kids now too Caleb so you know what that what's that that's like you know and I have kids too so yeah they sacrifice the sacrifice is there man I don't know how mothers do it but they're I think they're tougher than men. I think they are. Mentally, they are. You know what I mean? And mentally, they're just like, they got it together. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think fathers could handle that. I don't. I, you know, I look at them going, geez, man, they mentally have it together. So, Yeah, they they definitely do have it together. So, absolutely. I hope that they had a fantastic day. And uh, if you are a mother listening to this show, thank you for listening. And I hope you had a fantastic Mother's Day and Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, what'd you do? Did you do anything special? What, what happened? Uh, we got her gifts, and we had them out for her in the morning, and then we went to... Uh, we were trying to get into one of those Mother's Day brunch kind of things with my family, but uh, but it didn't wind up working out, so we just went out to lunch, and then after we hung out with my, my family for that, we went over to her parents' house, so my in-laws for a little while. That's cool. What about so yourself? I, yeah, I had something really special that i did for my wife for mother's day it's probably the worst thing i ever agreed to do (laughs) so um so my wife's been bugging me for years now to do this and i finally said okay you know what i'll do it i'll do it from she goes for mother's day i said i'll do it for mother's day so i signed up to do this hot yoga have you heard of this (laughs) yeah i've heard of that (laughs) so i went and on a Saturday morning, I went to this hot yoga. I walked in there. I ain't kidding you, man. It's like furnace burn, burning. It's like over 100-something degrees in there. And, you you know, I'm laying down, and my wife says, you know, you, we got to take at least 10 minutes to acclimate our bodies to the temperature. So I'm laying there, and I'm already, like, you know, the beads of sweat are rolling down. I mean, we haven't even done anything yet. And I'm I'm literally almost going... We're gonna be here. I go. I keep saying to her, "How long? How long is this?" She says, "Like over an hour." I go, "Oh my gosh!" So not twenty minutes into it, I had to go to the restroom. So I went to the restroom. Couldn't find the lights to the bathroom. So I just literally probably went to the bathroom in the dark. I came back in, and I'm laying there, and I get up and I'm trying to hold these poses in this heat. It's just ungodly. I, you just can't even pay attention. So I had to sit down a couple times because I'm about, re- about ready to lose it. And here's my wife, like a trooper, doing all the poses, and she's dripping sweat. And I'm looking at her going, you're amazing. I'm watching it. This is amazing that these ladies can do this. It's like this physical strength 
that they have to sit in this heat. And I'm dying. I'm sweating like a pig. And I'm like, I had to lay down a couple times. I literally couldn't do it. So that went on for an hour and like 20 minutes, man. So try to do the hot yoga out there. Give it a shot. Tell me what you think. Uh, I think I'll pass. But now, now here's a quick question, though. Had she done it before and she just wanted you to go with her? Or was that her first time? Oh, I'm gonna pass on that. Uh, did I lose you? Nope, you're good. You just oh, popped oh. up again. Okay. All right, we have a storm going here, so hopefully, hopefully nothing crazy happens. Um, I I was gonna say I had a, a question for you because was it her first time uh, doing no. that or okay, so it wasn't her first time, right? Yeah, she's been doing it. So, but it's pretty impressive. I mean, these people, you know, they have like she was in the beginners level. But then, you know, they have like a level one, level two, level three. And I'm like, it's crazy, man. So it's probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And I told my wife, you know, I'd rather run five miles straight than do the, that again. So <laughs> she goes, so I'm guessing you're not coming back with me. I go, man, that's a pretty much a, a yes to that. So, Well, it just makes me think of like a sauna. Um, oh, it is. And yeah. so essentially it's just kind of like a sauna, the per- – the purpose and usage of a sauna is to go in, sit, and just like you know, yeah, for better or worse, sweat it out. You know, you don't. You, there's no physical activity. So right. the idea, the concept of doing a physical activity, a workout in a sauna, is just kind of like that. That seems contradictory to the purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're sweat. You know, and I'm like lifting. You have to lift up, and you got to like hold your poses for a little while, and you just. You know, my body won't do it. I'm falling all over the place. I'm tumbling over, and my wife's holding the poses. I just, I'm one foot, you know. I'm like, I can't even do this. So, yeah, I know. I, I, it's impressive, I have to admit. So, well, kudos to her, and yeah. kudos to you for giving a shot. So, yeah. you're, you're still alive. Yeah, I'm still alive, right? <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, other things are still alive and kicking, um, even though it's not the uh, forefront of sports today. But college football is still there in the background. Things are still going on. Uh, we're going to touch on a subject that actually came up, uh, I think it's been a week or two ago now. And then we're going to talk about things in the future. Um, but to go back here just for a minute, there was uh, an article that came out from NFL.com. Uh, talking about the top 150 uh, college athletes to be watching in 2018. And so it's worth noting, and of course, any Michigan fan would go in there and look, and specifically look for the Michigan players. Mm -hmm. And everybody should, I expect, be familiar with the names that they came across. But out of the entire 150 Michigan wound up having seven. I don't know where that ranks as far as all the schools go, uh, but they had seven. Uh, interestingly enough to say that they had two in the top ten, and they were only the only school with two in the top ten. Uh, that would be number three, Rashawn Gary, and number ten, Devin Bush. Um, and then the other players are Shea Patterson at 25, Chase Winovich at 47, and Kron Higdon, 65. Kalik Hudson, 76. Lavert Hill at 112th. So uh, very, very impressive to have that number. And the interesting thing to stand out then is that five of the seven 
are defensive players. Mm, and right. uh, I guess that shouldn't be a surprise considering how things have been going since Don Brown has been at Michigan and how these players looked last year. I mean, you saw you saw all these players doing well last year on defense. So um, I guess looking at it, and I, I don't know if you looked throughout the rest of the list or anything, uh, but what do you, uh, do you have to say in response about that or what are your thoughts on uh, those players in the top 150 and um, any any interesting thoughts on the take of the NFL.com article? Um, well, you know, I think it's pretty spot on. I really do. I think uh, any Michigan fan that saw what happened last year and what was going on with the, the games that we played, that our defense is um, going to be our rock to this. You know, it's going to be our rock just, you know, with Don Brown being our coach and just – on that side of the ball and just absolutely killing it. And, and to see some of these players really flourish. And I think, uh, you know, you get chase Winovich coming back, you know, really just anchors that defensive line. And I tell you, man, it, they're going to, I think what happens is you get chase Winovich coming back. And I think it opens up a lot for Rashawn Gary to flourish and how incredible he is. And, and I think we're just, uh, touching the tip of the iceberg for that kid and how awesome he's going to be. So I think Chase Winovich being there really is going to help him out and vice versa. So, so we, it's, uh, I'm not surprised at all. LaBert Hill had a, uh, excellent season. Um, I'm not really surprised there because, um, Michigan had one of, one of the best secondaries, even though they were like one of the youngest in the country on the corner side of it. But, um, yeah, I'm not really surprised at all. Um, I, I think uh, I think most predictions are going that Michigan's going to probably have one of the best defenses in the country. So, not too shocked there. But uh, offensive side of the ball, yeah, I mean, I'm not shocked there either because really nobody did much. I think Higdon had the probably the most productive year of, of, out of the year just based on um, you know him being uh, the rock on. And, and actually keeping us in the games and running really, really well and running strong. And I think he's going to do well this year. And uh, um, I'm pretty, I'm not really sh- shocked about him. So, but everybody else, not really. Yeah. Rashawn Gary is a given uh, a lot. Of, well, yeah. Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush are givens. I mean, you saw their production last year going into this year. You're not surprised about that at all. Uh, the other names, I, I don't think there's anything that's necessarily a surprise here, but uh, going back in the not-too-far past, it is impressive, and it is, uh, even though there are certainly things that you can look at and dissect for Michigan football, one thing that's nice to see to have come around and be such a strong suit for the team now is the linebackers. Yeah. Because three of those seven players mentioned are linebackers uh, with Devin Bush, Chase Winovich and Kalik Hudson. Now, of course, I mean, you move them around and Kalik Hudson does his, uh, does his own thing. But I mean, I remember, gosh, I can't remember specifically the year or anything, but back when it seemed like we, the linebackers weren't even on the field for Mm -hmm. our, our defense. So, uh, but yeah, great to see the defense getting recognized. And, and that's the thing too, that, People, I mean, the defense was great last year. Mm-hmm. And it was a young defense. Yep. 
And so th- this kind of goes hand in hand with how things go in the draft. So, so for instance, Michigan was a really young team. So uh, last year in 2017, so you would not expect a lot of their players to get drafted because not very many of them are moving on because they're a young team. So the opposite end of that, the like the counterweight to that is then they have a lot of players coming back. And mm-hmm. so that kind of helps this side of things where the uh, prospective players for this season, the top players to watch, they might have more because they have more returners than maybe other teams do. So right. this this is not a list that you would have seen after the draft where Michigan had, what was it, 11 players taken? Mm-hmm. Um, so this this is a unique situation. This isn't probably going to be something every year. But uh, the defense is solid. I think it's going to be even better this year because, like I was saying, even more experience. So I am, like I said, none of these players are surprised. Um, it is... After the fact of uh, this did come out after the fact that Shea Patterson was considered eligible because I don't know if that would have been if he would have been taken into consideration if that information wasn't out there yet. But, yeah, so um, kind of an interesting thing looking at, though, from and Karan Higdon absolutely like you were uh, saying was the. The running back last year that led did the pack. We talked about. Didn't we talk about saying how many of those games last year did we? If if, if Michigan fans and you you and I even talked about how many of those games that Michigan win, just based on defense, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it, it literally. I thought we won probably half our games just based on our defense keeping us in the games <laughs> and uh, wearing out other teams. And I think a lot of those games kept us kept it close if we would have had like we we're talking about some resemblance of an offense uh, moving and and doing well we probably would have put up 10 times more points than we did but our defense was a rock and we talked about that yeah now now the only thing that it makes me think about bringing up and i'm not necessarily making an argument for this but uh there were a handful of games where cron higdon and chris evans were you know, I mean, the dual running backs, and they just okay. tore teams apart. Uh, there's noticeable difference between the two. Um, I mean, Karan Higdon almost broke a 1,000 yards last year. He had 11 touchdowns. Uh, Evans was a bit behind, uh, not quite making the 700-yard mark, and he only had six touchdowns. But... Uh, you know, still a big part of the team and pivotal and everything. Do you think that there'd be any way, just kind of like an opinion thing, that he would be hovering not too far outside of 150, considering how they have Kron Higdon relatively high up there at 65? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I think Kron Higdon is just going to be, He's going to get the bulk of the workload, and then Evans is going to be the change of pace back. So it's already been, you know. So um, my, yeah, yeah, he's he's a fantastic running back. I mean, obviously he was a four star going into uh, Iowa until we stole him away. But um, you know, he's he was going to be Iowa's number one guy there <laughs> until we took him. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I, I'm kind of thinking that um, if things turn out as optimistic as we are with the offensive line, right. um, 
and uh, not to take anything away from Kron Higdon, but if the offensive line is able to do what's uh, supposed to do, I think it could be a game changer for Chris Evans in 2018 because if he gets a good block and he gets a few yards in front of him of open space. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he can pick up speed, like crazy yeah. speed. So I, I'll be interested to see um, – because obviously, well, I mean, I know there's a lot of players in college football, so they can't put them all in there. But obviously, if Kron Higdon is sitting there at 65 and Chris Evans doesn't even break the 150, there's a bit of a, a gap there that they think between them. But I would not be too surprised if uh, if it's pretty close, if the offensive line can produce uh, substantially better in 2018. Because we saw in 2016, Chris Evans was able to... I mean, light things up. Right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. He was, yeah, when you get space and then you were saying, you know, between the tackles and, you know, he's he's not a grinder, but when he is in space, he makes a lot happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, those are the two. That's going to be your uh, uh, one-two punch, <laughs> those two. And then you got uh, uh, Walker sitting there, and we'll see what they do with him. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see what uh, Higdy can do. So I think that, you know, you get that strength and conditioning coach going on there. And, you know, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Um, is really um, getting these guys ready to, uh, and, and I'm talking about strength and conditioning for four quarters. And I think that's what's missing from Michigan football during this time. Even from, um, um, even from the defensive standpoint, you and I were talking about, you know, this defense in in terms of is was the best defense in the country i thought was and they were and then you know the last three games they kind of what lost three straight so but um we said defense wins championships but you know our defense um petered out in the fourth quarter because they just couldn't uh sustain themselves because the offense couldn't score points so um but uh, the strength and conditioning for both sides of the ball is really going to help. And you're talking about, like you're saying, the offensive line, too, with this. Um, you have Ruiz is going to center that. You know, he's going to be at center, and he's got a year under his belt. And I don't think there's going to be too much shuffling this year as it did last year with Jim Harbaugh. And um, too many too many combinations Jim Harbaugh was using you know, and I, you and I could tell, we could see him, uh, you know, fishing in and out of there, trying to get something to work on that right side. And, um, seems like, uh, I think things are going to be in place this year. Um, so. yeah. And, uh, something to mention real quick, uh, before we move on to the next topic that I did want to say, just because it, it goes back and forth all the time. Um, I mean, Smith obviously was there in 2016, but in 2016, when Evans was a freshman, he was the second leading rusher, and Higdon actually wrapped up uh, third place there. So yeah. um, they're they're kind of going back and forth there, and um, I'm excited about both of them, and that's one of those things that we'll just have to watch and see uh, what progresses and what advances the offensive line makes. So, yeah, very cool to see, again, uh, yeah, to say sure. the – to say the list, uh, number three is Rashawn Gary, number 10, Devin Bush, 25, Shea Patterson, 47, Chase Winovich, 65, Kron Higdon, 
76, Kalik Hudson, and 112th is Lavert Hill. So uh, yeah. very, very awesome for them uh, to get that recognition, and that could be uh, big and interesting for the players that then move on to the draft after next season. But that will be another story for another time. Right. Because for this time, at this time, uh, we're going to move on to uh, – I, I, I tweeted out about this, so some people might remember this, but I I like to try to write down ideas of, okay, what, what are we going to talk about next episode? And I was sitting down. I don't even know what day it was. I was sitting down. I was writing down topics, and I was like, oh, okay, now would be a decent time to talk about expectations for 2018. We, we know Shea Patterson is eligible to play. Uh, we've learned quite a few things. Spring practice has gone by. Uh, the trip has gone by. Different things have happened. We've seen the coaching uh, coaching changes. Um, Drevno's gone. Or um, yeah. So I uh, I thought this would be a good time to talk about expectations for 2018. And then the same day, like probably an hour later. Either somebody wrote wrote an article or put out the question on Twitter on social media. And I was like, great. So, how about that? Yeah. Are these like bold predictions, or are they just like expectations? This is like expectations, like re- okay. record wise. As far as so, this is how it's going to break down. What is going to constitute a successful 2018 season? And what is going to be the parameters of unsuccessful, failure, shortcoming, whatever you want to say. So, for instance, I'll start off the conversation uh, with this. There, there's going to be several ways to put this up. like Because it's not... Not in the bold pre- predictions you know, realm. You and I don't do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't so much. And, th- and this isn't really it. This is more of, okay... Right. What if this happens? Is it going or what's going to be a success? What's going to be not? So, for instance, I'll start off with this because there's several ways this can go. Where I mean, we could simply go, okay, a 10 win season is going to be a successful season. Um, and I'm uh, right now, I'm without getting into you know the bowl game and the possibility of the postseason and things like that, we can talk about that. But when I'm talking about records, I'm going to be talking about regular season. So we're talking about 12 games here. Um, I if, if it's a 10-win regular season and Michigan wins all the rivalry games, I don't see how that is not a successful season. Uh, right. Because this year they're, uh, we're bringing back the uh, – we. They're bringing back the rivalry. Notre Dame's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it – so there's three rivalry games. Uh, technically, hold on, I gotta make sure. I don't know if you how we lump Minnesota in there with that whole thing, but we're not playing them this year. So three rivalry games, uh, the 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 big three. So you've got Notre Dame, which is the first game, and it's at Notre Dame, and then in October it's at Michigan State, and then to finish things off, it's uh, in November it's at Ohio State. All three of them on the road. Yeah. The beginning, the middle, and the end. Mm-hmm. And so if Michigan is able to win those three games and finish the regular season 10-2, and two, like I don't know where the two other losses would come from. Maybe it would be Nebraska. Maybe it would be Wisconsin. Maybe it would be Penn State, whatever. 
I, I I would be like, okay, the two losses suck because this could have been a special season, but if you could walk out of a season like that with three road games against rival teams and win, right? And win, mm-hmm. I would say that yep. that is a success. That's my opinion. There there are yep. a lot of different scenarios I'm going to put out here, but that's the first one I'm going to put out. Would you consider that a successful season if that happened? You asking me? Of course. It, okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you look at, you know, right in the beginning, you know, at Notre Dame is always tough. And and then you, you know, they got a stretch. Even, you know, they got Nebraska coming in in week four. So, um, yeah, you're right. And I think even a successful season, even with me, would be the very fact is you have Penn State we have Penn state at home. And if we can have a win against Penn state would be huge. Um, even when they got a veteran quarterback coming back, but, uh, to win at Michigan state this year would be uh, really, really big. I see a couple of these games and we have Wisconsin at home too. So, um, it, it's interesting that some of these games that are coming up that are big in the middle of the season. And I'm talking about, Wisconsin, and then you got Michigan State, and then you got Penn State. So you got Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, three games in a row. Uh, Wisconsin um, comes to our house, but then we got to go to Michigan State, and then uh, Penn State comes to Michigan. Those three games right there are huge, I think, for Michigan. And I think even though there are two of them are at home, um, I think the very fact is we lost to Wisconsin and we got blown out at Penn State. Um, is those three games in that stretch are really big for us to win. So, yeah. yeah. Now, now here's something though, because I'm going to throw out all these different scenarios. So yeah. you've got those. Uh, so it's a ten and two season. Mm-hmm. It's a double digit win regular season. Michigan wins three road games against the rivals. Goes to the Big Ten championship. Loses. Successful right. season? Yes or no? I still think it's successful. I do. I mean, the reason is, is I think some Michigan fans might say it's not, but I'll look at it as Michigan has seriously struggled for years right now, struggled to have a quarterback. And I'm not even talking about Rudock. You, you, he's part of it. Okay. Not that he wasn't successful. He was. My problem is, is you tell me with Jim Harbaugh, who has been here for this long of a period of time, you tell me, the anchor that he's had here, I'm like an Andrew Luck would be for Stanford that Michigan's had. We haven't had that. That bugs me. That really bugs me. It bugs me every year that Michigan seems to walk in to every season with question mark at quarterback. Can you tell me a time where you were for sure who's going to be the starter during the Jim Harbaugh tenure? Oh, yeah. No, I mean. You can't do it. No, because we we guessed even, yeah. Right, we guess. We can say, yeah, we think it's Spates to lose or whatever, and we can say a corn. But then, it, you know, you watch All or Nothing. They came in there, and they're both tied. And I'm like, look, I get this, you know. You know, we're all competing for the job, and it's nobody's job right now. But, you know, you, we should be able to walk into every season and go, whatchamacallit's got the job. They, they handled themselves great. Like Peters, here we are going, Peters is the guy. And he lays an egg in South Carolina game. And now he's back on the bench. And it's like we're still going. And they get Shea Patterson, who I would say we probably 
more than likely know that he will be the starter, but yet none of us has seen him play with this team for one year. We don't even, and the funny thing is, let's say he does do well this year. You don't even know if he's staying (laughs) because he could go to the NFL. So how do you know Shea Patterson has a great year, but yet he could leave because he did have a good year. So that's what I mean is it seems like every year we have a quarterback, that anchor position, one of the most important positions in football seems to be a question mark for Jim Harbaugh. And I think that's really hurting Jim Harbaugh and what he can do for Michigan. So, um, and then you coming back to what you're saying with this list, I think, you know, going to the big 10 championship, I think it's a win for me. Uh, what about you? I do. I think it's a big deal. If, if they lose the Big Ten championship, if if that was the scenario and they lost the Big Ten championship, I would struggle with a little bit. I mean, it, it would definitely be a big success because those are three big rivalry games all on the road, and you've won, if you won them all, um, that that would be a tough pill to swallow to finish it without a Big Ten championship. But I th- I think I would still consider it a success. I know some people would be like, "Oh no, that's outrageous," but it's just like, look when. I mean, gosh, shoot, I should have been looking up. But when was the last time? I think it's probably early 2000s that Michigan, so it's been over a decade, if right. I'm not mistaken, that Michigan has beaten uh, Michigan State and Ohio State in the same year. Yeah. And I think, I can't imagine when it was that they last beat all of them. So I'm going to actually try to get that information at some point here. So, okay. Uh, now, so... What if, because I feel like a magic number is kind of 10 wins for a regular season, like double-digit wins. So what if it was an 11-1 and season, but we lost to, we lost to Ohio State? What would you say to that? That's, I think it's, I'd say it's very successful. I mean, to me, it seems like Michigan fans, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm like one of the biggest ones. I we're either either way up here or way down. I'm like, it's either, well, we have to be this. I like progression. I like to see because last year was kind of like a year that, yeah, we all might say, mm, was it successful? Probably not. But the team was very young on the offensive side and the defensive side. But, uh, but. You know, talking about the quarterback, I'm going back to that again. We didn't have a quarterback, really. We are shuffling in and out. of. We went through three quarterbacks <laughs> through the whole year. So that hurt us, I believe. It hurt us quite a bit. And then you have um, this year the same thing. But to go from eight wins and then expect 11 is quite the jump. So for me, I, I want to see progression. I want to see the teams, this team click and I want to see, like, wow, this offense is really doing well. It's scoring points. It's doing great. But for someone to go, well, we should go to 11 wins is quite the jump. Um, I don't know. What do you What do you think? See, you're looking at it a little differently than I would because it's not all about the wins at this point. Right. Because uh, we're talking about specific games because it's then that, would, that would be, again, that we have not beaten Ohio State. Right. Um. In, I know. in four years. And, and you're that, saying right now Ohio State is – would you say this year – let's look at it this way. Do you think this year Ohio State looks 
like beatable because they don't have JT Barrett. Like they don't have, yeah, they have, they're always going to have incredible players on that team, but this is, this would be the time to beat them. Um, Cause uh, they're breaking new quarterback. They've got a few guys they've lost for the draft. Yeah. Uh, but we got beat by that new quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> and by the way, in the uh, top, in that top 150 yeah. list, uh, the number two player was Nick Bosa. For Ohio right. State. So, I mean, yeah, just like you said, they've still got great players. I don't know necessarily, like, this looks like the best opportunity for it. Um, but right. I think that it's just kind of like something needs to happen. And right. uh, we all know what happened last time when Michigan went to Ann Arbor, or Ann Arbor, I'm sorry, Columbus, to play that game. Mm-hmm. And it was, as everybody feels, torn away from us. Um, because there were a lot of questionable things. So I, I don't know. I mean, tell me, all right, let me, let me ask you this question then you, I'm looking at the the schedule. Tell me out of all the teams we play, what team do you feel comfortable with Michigan losing to? And out of all the teams, are you talking Ohio state would be the one, right? Uh, well, here, here's this. Okay, I'm look. I look at more as okay. What would be the worst losses that could happen? Like, <laughs> okay, what, right. what what would be the worst? Like, just straight up I, embarrassing. Yeah. And right. I think uh, Western, SMU, Northwestern, Maryland, uh, yeah. Indiana, and Rutgers. You know, those are just like that would be embarrassing if we lost one of those. But honestly, like, what what happens if we go for ten wins? We finish Rutgers, and then we play Indiana, and we lose a heartbreaker. But then we beat Ohio State. <laughs> so we so we go eleven and one with right. a weird fluke loss to Indiana. How would that be? That would still be a success, right? But you're talking; it's always out there. You and you've always said that there's always that one team out there that seems to play well, and we can't. You know, we lose like Iowa. You know that Iowa game. It's like went in there and we just can't seem to we couldn't we couldn't win that game you know and we walked in there and we lost it and we shouldn't have lost and yeah i i get what you're saying yeah yeah to so, me i think beating ohio state is it's it's a big deal i mean it really is i think if michigan lost to indiana i think michigan fans would be quite all right with it if we lost but we couldn't if we won against ohio state I mean, it really is. So, well, it's like, what are the must-win games? I think maybe was the way you were kind of putting it. I'm looking at like if, yeah, like if you could take one game and you said, if all right, let's say there's two losses. Michigan has two losses. Tell me what two? Name me the two games that Michigan can lose. Two games, and who would they be by that we would, as Michigan fans, be okay with? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'll say this kind of here real quick and try to get into that. If Michigan went and had nine wins and whoever the losses were to, who cares? But if they went nine wins and they beat Ohio State, I think a lot of people would be happy. I agree. I agree too. Yep. Now no if doubt. it was if it was eight wins and we beat Ohio State, that'd be there'd be some okay, I'm happy we beat Ohio State, but this is another eight win season. We've got issues here. Yeah, but if it was nine wins, I think people would be more behind. If it was ten wins, we beat Ohio State, but we had two losses. I think everybody would be like, 
rock on, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, that's, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's, it's this way. Here's another scenario. Let's say Michigan wins, but one of those two losses, one of them is Michigan state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, hey. I mean, Michigan's got a lot of bones to pick here because, uh, right. they, they lost to Ohio state last year. They lost to, Michigan State last year. They lost to Penn State last year, uh, embarrassingly to Penn State last year. They lost to Wisconsin last year. And then the last time they played Notre Dame, we got shut out. Yeah. So, I mean, those are all big potential statement games. Very. I mean, okay, so let's – okay, if Michigan could go through and win all of those and still, like, some crazy, ridiculous thing be, like, eight or nine wins – Right, which would be absurd in my opinion because all the other teams should be. I mean, not not saying you can take it lightly, but essentially cakewalks compared to those other teams. If they somehow went and only had a nine win season, it'd be like screw it. I mean, you you wiped out the big boys. Yeah, that, that was pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, you want the undefeated season and things like that. Uh, but then, of course, then you're just like, well, what do you do when you throw in a Big Ten championship? What if they lose it? What if they win it? Uh, there's there's a lot of different scenarios in here. So I would say I'm going to pose a question to you. Sorry if no. I kind of didn't completely answer yours. No, it's but. okay. I mean, it's, that's a tough one. I don't think, I don't think Michigan fans can, I don't think they'll, they'll be able to live with that one. I don't, I don't think they can live with us beating Ohio state, but yet lose to Michigan state. I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> Okay, well, put it this way, and I think this will be an easier answer, though. What if, uh, who would they be more okay with losing to, though? Michigan State or Ohio State? I think they'd be. Okay, I think they'd be okay with losing to Penn State. No, uh, but I'm saying between Michigan, if if they had like just I don't just records aside, record like doesn't right. matter what the if they won all the other games or lost all of them, what would Michigan fans be more okay with losing to Michigan State or Ohio State? Oh, probably Ohio State. Uh, see, I say Michigan State because we have yet to beat Ohio State with Jim Harbaugh. Right. So I think they would be more okay with losing to Michigan State if it I, meant beating I, Ohio State. No, I, 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 I know it's. I think right now you don't lose to Michigan State. You just can't. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. I mean, because if you think about it, Ohio State. And I get what you're saying. I mean, it makes sense. But I'm like. Ohio, Ohio State is just, they got so many good players, and I get it, and they're just, you know, they're a juggernaut of a team. They just keep, you know, they're like Alabama. They just keep moving guys around. But you don't lose to Michigan State, man. It's just like, it to me, it's like, it's like one of those things where, yeah, Ohio State's, yeah, they're always going to be there, and they're always going to get on us. But, man, Michigan State will always have this little thing where, like, if you can't beat D'Antonio, what makes you think you can beat Urban Meyer? <laughs> yeah, but that's not the point of thinking, but it's just like if you actually don't beat D'Antonio and you beat Urban Meyer, I mean, essentially then you're you're going to extend Ohio State's winning streak to seven games. That's going right. to be four games under Jim Harbaugh against Ohio State. That will have been losses. Right. So It's like a very, very good poll question on Twitter. Yeah, See what I, I really think we'll have to put it out there. I yeah. truly believe that people will pick. They would rather beat Ohio state than beat Michigan state. Right. That's and that, that kind of goes to 
the whole thing, and pretty much every Michigan fan says it, that Ohio State is the bigger rivalry, which, I mean, it's called the game, and you can go into that whole thing. So since we haven't beaten them, like we said, in seven, that would make it seven years. Since Denard, yeah. Yeah, so that that would be a big one. Um, So uh, I wanted to put that out there, and then... Uh, what was it? I want another question I was going to pose. Um, so if then that that would go for me. So if you if you said Michigan could only win one game between Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State, I would say let them beat Ohio State. Um, Shoot, that's not going to really work for the next question I was going to do. You know, when it's interesting when you put it that way. I can see why people would think they'd want that. You know, yeah. The way you just said it, I can see why people would say, "Oh yeah, Ohio State." Yeah, but you know, and then to me, I'm going, man, that means you all you only beat Coach D'Antonio, who has lesser talent coming to your school once. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's just. It's, and we should have beat them this year. It's just like, man. And we should have beat them in 2015 too. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I'm. And then you start looking at his. Then his coach D'Antonio, who I find, he was a good coach, but you know I think Harbaugh's better. You know, but he can't seem to. But when it comes to this rivalry, is Coach D'Antonio a better coach against Harbaugh one on one? I don't know. It's. Well, Dan, D'Antonio is a different kind of coach because he has been able to take uh, take down Urban Meyer, which right. most other coaches yeah. haven't. So, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, just a couple of things change, and Michigan could have been three and zero against Michigan State instead of one and two, right? Uh, since Jim Harbaugh got there, but yeah, um, I guess another question I can pose is if you had to choose. Um, who Michigan lost to for their home games, for their home game between Penn State and Wisconsin, which one would you say that you would want them to win or which one would you say you'd be okay with them losing? Um, I would say I'd rather have Michigan lose to Wisconsin um, than Penn State because of the very fact is there's a little bit of bad blood there and the way Penn State whipped up on us last year like we didn't even have a chance it wasn't even close um, but you know Wisconsin I like the way they play I like their coach um, I have a you know <laughs> it might be a personal thing for me because I actually kind of like Wisconsin I like the way they play um, I like the way they run things there because it's it's reminiscent of old michigan you know what i mean in the old uh, back in the 80s 90s way and um i like wisconsin and how they do how they run everything uh power backs uh power uh, offensive line uh great defense and um penn state on the other hand you know you know i think we got some bad blood there in franklin and i don't really like the guy too much <laughs> so um yeah, I'd, I think I'd rather lose to Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree. I'd be in the same boat as well because 
Uh, I, same thing. Penn State beat up on us last year. Wisconsin wasn't uh, necessarily a blowout game, but Penn State made us look bad. Also, there is some kind of resentment there uh, on that side. On top of that, though, that is, a, that is a division game, so that would make a difference. But besides that, um, I don't have too bad of beef with Wisconsin, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. But also, their fans, I've never really had too much of an issue with. Right. Like, they're, like if we if uh, if we lose or whatever, it's not too terrible. Like, when we lost last year, I mean, it, it was what it was. But then when the loss came with Penn State and everything, it was like you see things everywhere and people are saying stuff. So, yeah, I, w- I would be with uh, – Agree with you on that one. So, um, oh man, I, I don't. There are so many different uh, um, uh, ways we could put it together, different records and different results now, and things now like that. About all these, tell me the one team. Let me throw this question on you. If you look at these and you say, okay, is Wisconsin, does, is Michigan beat? Are they beatable? Yeah. Wisconsin can come into Michigan and beat us. Yes. Uh, Penn State can come into Michigan and beat us. Yes. And obviously us going to Michigan State, can they beat us? Yes. Ohio State, yes. Namie and then us going to South Bend and North and Notre Dame, can they beat us? Oh, yeah. Because the very fact it's so tough to win there. <laughs> and they're, 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 their fans are crazy. Um, you tell me out of – if you took all those teams I mentioned out of it, tell me the one team that could upset Michigan, like th- that we might be overlooking. Is there one on there that you kind of just say, you know what, it could be a, one of those trap games or we might be overlooking like as a win, but could beat us. You know, the weird <laughs> one that I'm going to pull out yeah, is Northwestern. Mm, yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm between Northwestern and Indiana because Indiana is right before the Ohio State game, right. but I kind of want to say Northwestern just because it's Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, he's a decent coach. Um, he knows how to mess with people and uh, make for some tight games sometimes. So that one that's kind of there, weird that you look at, maybe being kind of weird in there and mess things up. Uh, I guess I would probably throw Northwestern in for that one. Yeah, no, that's a, that's, that was one of my picks. And I think the one I think I might surprise you would be, um, Maryland. And the reason is, is they got that three headed monster going. Remember Maryland's the team that, uh, uh, beat Texas, um, in the opening game. And, and, they legitimately they do have a three-headed monster in Maryland, and it always gives Michigan fits to have that kind of uh, quarterbacks. That you know, it seems like what the, whatever they're running there is just gives everyone fits. And so, and obviously, uh, Durkin's got the you know a new offensive, I think, uh, a look going on. So, and they got uh, I think they got Ty Johnson and. Somebody else, I think I remember his name, but they were really tough. Uh, I think they're a team that we, Michigan, can't overlook. But I would say the one team I would worry about would be Northwestern because Northwestern's the same team that took Michigan State to overtime and beat them. So 
Northwestern is a very good coach team. You and I have a lot of affection for Northwestern and how the coach runs that team. And it's really difficult to win there. And, um, yeah, that would say that would be my number one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, interesting to think about and talk about. Um, I will, I will say this and we'll kind of start circling things around here to, uh, bring it to final thoughts and everything. There is not a single team on this list that I would say intimidates me, though, now. Um, Ohio State, like you said, doesn't have JT Barrett anymore. Uh, there are some other things that moves around. Uh, Penn State lost um, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, I don't know if there was many changes there, really. Uh, no, they got a good offense, and you know, and then against, going against our defense, so... Yeah, Notre Dame, I mean, I know it's in Notre Dame, first game of the season and everything. Um, but our, that's the thing, though, too, with um, our the seasons for us is that the beginning of the season usually goes really well. I mean, outside of 2015, the very first game for Jim Harbaugh being out at Utah, mm-hmm. the beginning of the season works out pretty well. And the defense is usually strong. The defense is usually well-conditioned and usually dominates the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel good about those things. Um, well, another thing, quick note about Wisconsin, they got one of the best offensive linemen in the country. They got three offensive linemen that could go in the first round in the draft. <laughs> three of them. So that's going to be really difficult. So we're going to have to be on our A game to stop that offensive line. So Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, but, I mean, uh, of course, it's too early to sell. I mean, these are just – we're not doing really predictions, but it's kind of like expectations, what's success, what's failure. Um, so, quickly, to spit out a few things, like I said, if we're able to win the three rivalry games, it's almost like whatever the record is, it is what it is. That would be a big success. Um, mm-hmm. If we lost one of them and it was in Ohio State, I'd still consider that a successful season. Um, if you lose – Two of those three rivalry games, that's that's not good. I'm just going to say that's not good. That's that's not successful. Um, but, yeah, then you're looking at records where it's just like, okay, nine wins, ten wins, eleven wins. Obviously an undefeated regular season. Nobody would deny that that's successful. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I would still say successful. Even if it was undefeated season, they went to the Big Ten title game and they somehow lost that. As much as that would absolutely suck, considering the last time that Michigan won the Big Ten, which, uh, what was it, like 2003 maybe, something like that, um, that would be heartbreaking. But an undefeated regular season would be a big step for Michigan in the right direction. And before I hand it off to you, I will mention that the last time that Michigan beat Ohio State and Michigan State in the same year was – Yeah, I found it was 2003 – And interestingly enough, they also beat Notre Dame that year. So 2003. Big year. Yeah, was the last good, huge, successful season for Michigan. I I will say it right there. I mean, um, not not to knock all the seasons after that, but, yeah, that that was the last big one. Yeah, that's a long. That's, wow, it's a long time ago. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, me, I want to see, you know, 
I just want to see Michigan, you know, moving up, look, getting all the right uh, players in place and, and seeing a young team, obviously on the offense clicking and doing really super well. And, uh, and I'll be pretty satisfied, but you know, coming out of the gate playing South bend in South bend playing uh, Notre Dame is huge. And I think that's going to be a really incredible and important game. Yeah, no, I agree. And just to retouch on the uh, 2003 season, then to bring back fond memories, uh, Michigan only lost to Oregon uh, at Oregon. And of course, go figure at Iowa. Um, (laughs) Those were the regular season losses. And then uh, they beat everybody else that season. Um, No other big names really stand out. Um, but then they went into the bowl game for the Rose Bowl and lost to USC um, mm, right. for that. So they ended with three losses. But yeah, that was that. I would say that that was the last big season for Michigan. That was 2003. That was 15 years ago. Jeez. So I mean, it has been 15 years essentially of yeah heartbreak. I mean, things really didn't get bad until 2007, but. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if there's anything else to say with uh, successes and the failures and everything, but. No, let us know what you think. Anybody out there want to let us know? Let us know what you think about uh, what you find a successful season for Michigan this year. And what you don't. So. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, I just thought of something. I'll say this, too, and I'll ask your thoughts here quickly, too. If Michigan can beat Michigan State and Ohio State but lose to Notre Dame, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. I would find that successful. If, it, if it's still, like, 10 wins or, like, if it's 10 wins or more, I'd, I'd definitely say that that's success. Yeah, I agree. I, I would have a difficult time if it's Mi- Michigan beat Ohio State and Notre Dame but lost to Michigan State. And I would absolutely say that it is not successful if they beat Notre Dame, Michigan State, but lost to Ohio State because I still say the key thing, e- mm-hmm. even if it's – okay, even if you say – unless you say Michigan wins all their games and wins the Big Ten – but does lose to Ohio State, that might be the only way that Michigan could lose to Ohio State, and I would kind of say it'd still be a successful season. (laughs) Right, right. Like they would have to win out and win the Big Ten for that to be considered, quote-unquote, success. Yeah. Yeah, you want... You want them to beat Ohio State. Yeah, it needs to happen in seven years, man. Like I said, that's, 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 that's the struggle right there, seven years. Yeah, I agree. You know, and me, I'm like, I want, I want to beat the, the teams that are biggest, biggest mouse to Michigan, <laughs> and those are Michigan State and Ohio State right now. So yeah, and that, and okay, and okay, so put this in perspective: if Ohio State wins again, that will be the longest active winning streak by Ohio State in the whole rivalry. Yeah. The longest active winning streak would be seven games uh, for Ohio State. Michigan, uh, but then, of course, this was before, this was like back in 1918 and earlier. Michigan had a longer streak, but Michigan has only had two, uh, one time that they had a six game win streak 
in there. They had another one that was kind of in there, but there was a tie in the middle, so I don't know if you can consider that. But here's this, though, too. Even before Michigan's win in 2011, sole win, uh, well, actually, shoot, I'm sorry. Actually, no, they did have a seven-win span if you consider the win that was vacated in 2010. So yeah. I don't know if you guys would, could uh, count that or not, but I, I count it because we lost the game. Right. So they did have a seven-win season, or seven wins in a row, which is god-awful in a rivalry. Yeah, it is. Man. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Yes, it needs to end. Since 2003, Michigan has been you Ohio. Know, since 2003, Michigan has been yeah, Ohio State we, one time. You cannot tell me that Michigan losing to Ohio State, like like I said, there's really only one way that I could see it being that Michigan loses to Ohio State and it would be a successful season. And that would be winning out and winning the Big Ten. That would be the only way it could be, quote, unquote, successful. Anything right. else, Michigan, in my opinion, for it to be a real success, has to be at Ohio State. That That is just – that's not all on Jim Harbaugh because I know that he wasn't coaching all through since 2004 and everything, but he's the one who's owning it now. So – and I, I'm not, like, getting more excited and everything and, like, calling him out. I'm just like, this is where we're at, folks. This is 2018. This is what's going on. And you realize that even in, in that uh, whole seven-year span that there's been games that have been super close that come down to the last play almost or that we got blown out. <laughs> it's like, remember the Denard, uh, uh, Devin Gardner one where, he, you know, we're down to if he gets it in the end zone, he catches it, we win the ball game. Yep. Didn't happen. JT, you know, running the ball, we thought he was short, wasn't. It's it's crazy, man. We've come so close to beating Ohio State, but just can't seem to do it. So, yeah, man, yeah. I'll tell yep. you, man, it's going to be interesting. I hope so. We'll see what this team does, though. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, those are our thoughts on success and failures about how things will get chalked up in uh, 2018 uh, for the season and everything. And we'll watch then. Talk about more, but yeah, absolutely. Like Craig said, share your thoughts. We'd be curious to hear what you have to say. You can uh, email us if you'd like, bluebrotherssportscast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter uh, if you want to discuss on there. Uh, But the easiest way, honestly, to share your thoughts on the show would be to call the voicemail. Leave a relatively short and brief voicemail, nothing too too long. Uh, But call 551-258-258. Three two seven six. That's five five one. Blue bro, we would love to hear your thoughts and everything. You heard how we broke it down, so let us know what you think. How Michigan could scrape by and still have a successful season? What constitutes as successful and what doesn't, and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. It's two thousand eighteen. Need to get down to business. So, yeah, we do. Well, it looks good. We'll see. I mean, it looks good. Uh, it's way too early to tell, but it's always fun to talk about it. And we'll be talking about more about it. We'll be talking about every single week. You guys know that because that's just what we do here. So, all right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll go ahead and finish things off with Go Blue. Go Blue. Go Blue.